Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Gamefly, the best way to rent or buy your favorite games. Listen! Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. My name is Philip Mewson, and today I am joined by Per Schneider, hey. Brian Altano, and Zach Ryan. What's up? What's up? How's everyone doing this week? Good. Pretty good. I got a hunger. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I didn't have lunch, and I was sick last week, but hell's I feel wrong better now. It's like yeah. 4 o'clock. You got to eat lunch? Meetings, meetings, meetings. Meetings, 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 meetings. Yeah, I feel like... Bring your, bring your lunch into the meeting. We're Zach a little- had a scheduled a meeting with me over lunch. 
I well, didn't show up. <laughs> and then you didn't Sorry. show up. Sorry. No, like, you showed up. Okay, all right. Well, we're we're certainly not in any meetings right now. We've got a lot to talk about. There's been some big news dropping this week. I don't know if any of you guys have heard, but apparently there's some new Nintendo uh, stuff happening in the media. I like that you didn't call it hardware. Yeah. I, what is I mean, it? It's, we it's don't borderline soft software. 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 It's soft hardware. Yeah. 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 Um, but yes, yes. I'm sure many of you probably already know. Nintendo has officially announced Nintendo Labo, and it is their answer to, I guess, uh, edutainment, I guess is the word kind that people of, are using. Um, take that. Or yeah. Lego? Kiwi, or? No, Kiwi crates, like uh, the, the Tinker, Tinker crates, like okay. the, the little project. So yeah. it's, so it's like cardboard papercraft, essentially. Yeah, it's it's hardware. Switch. Um, they're calling it, uh, it looks like some real maker stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. called Nintendo Labo, but the yeah. actual kits themselves are, are Toy Cons, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. I love that name. I'm mm-hmm. in love with it. I think it's a great name. Now, obviously, this isn't really aimed towards adults. Speak for yourself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes, yes, yes. Um, I know that there are many adults out there that are very interested in this. Um, however, um, Nintendo has sort of said that this was aimed towards a younger audience, that adults could also play with it as well or play with their children with this product, but it is primarily, I guess, aimed towards a younger audience. However, a lot of us here think it looks quite fun. Yep. Um, yeah, their, their messaging initially was uh, for the young and young at heart. Right? Young and young at so heart. So we... we we're sort of anticipating that it would be some kind of peripheral. Um, I don't think any of us had any idea that it would be this. Right. It's definitely Could, a peripheral. Couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't several, have predicted fact. it. I thought yeah. that was really smart that they said that because it lowered expectations from people saying, where's Metroid, where's Metroid, right? Like, I mean, want people to were see, still saying that. But. No, but people wanted – you instantly say, hey, it's not going to be this. Right. And then you show it and it actually, actually becomes a pleasant surprise because it is so freaking creative and awesome and like – I, I love it when Nintendo does something that I couldn't have possibly predicted. Yeah. And this yeah. is, this was one of those things. This is something that I don't think anybody really saw coming. Yeah. And I mean, like some of their strangest inventions in history, once again, we've said this on the show a million times. They are a weird old 100 plus year old toy company that makes strange moves and does cool stuff. Yeah. But, uh, this is actually kind of mirrored in stuff they did in the past. A Twitter user yesterday brought up papercraft houses and cars that they put together as part of toy kits in the late seventies, which means they've always sort of have done stuff like that. <laughs> I specifically made an R-Wing out of paper craft that I got in Nintendo Power during a special issue oh. back in the 90s. Like, this is something that fits with them. Nintendo and Papercraft actually goes really hand-in-hand on the internet as well. And this is really cool because it's kind of moving people towards a more tangible side of stuff that video games historically move you away from. Like, it, video games keep you from making art and building and, and creating. So, uh, this is really smart. In hindsight, I mean, it totally fits with Nintendo's MO. They have created Created add-ons with great success in the past from like the little steering wheel holders for Mario Kart, right? Mm-hmm. With the Wii, Wii remote in the past too. Like the, the, uh, remember the, uh, the love tester and the, the hand, the grabber hand, the extending grabber hand. That was a Nintendo invention. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd love to see them do this in cardboard and, and bring this, this stuff back. I, I just think it's so creative. I just wonder where it came from, whether they, whether they looked at the kind of like the Tinker Crate and Loot Box, uh, uh, not, not the in-game ones, the, uh, you know, the, like the Loot Crate market and said, hey, we need to have something like that, like a tangible product that can come out every couple of months and like, uh, uh kids can, can build stuff or, 
I, I don't know where it came from. I have um, I kickstarted uh, U gears. Have you ever heard U gears? No. It's a Russian. Um, they like kind of like these wooden kind of press board constructions. Like you push out the pieces and then without glue put together these really elaborate structures. And like they made um, they made like a, a little toy locomotive. They made a hurdy gurdy. I have the hurdy gurdy. Yep. Yeah, the instrument like. Everybody loves hurdy-gurdies, right? Yeah. Uh, or like a jewelry box with all these moving gears. And like that's what this reminded me of. But I guarantee you there was just somebody internally at Nintendo who loves doing these crafts. If you've ever been to a Japanese bookstore, they are like these little kits and things you can build. And he just well, – or she was super passionate for this and wanted to make this happen. And yeah, I think the um, the fact that – and you hit it right there. Like not having to use like glue or tape or anything like that, the fact that everything folds into each other is what makes this design so smart. Like in America, you might recognize stuff like this from Happy Meal boxes, yeah. Yeah. which we had in like the 80s. McDonald's and Nintendo partnered last year on a set of Happy Meal toys and stuff like that. Um, it's really cool to see see this come into fruition like this completely unexpected from Nintendo obviously although unexpected should be expected from them at this point Um, and watching the sort of responses were great because most people totally got it and they were really positive about it and then there was this kind of like I don't know if you guys remember like Cinnamon Toast Crunch commercials in the 90s Uh, it was all like adults can't see what makes Cinnamon Toast Crunch so good and the kids were like oh it's the swirls it's really good like it's delicious all these people yesterday were like I don't get it $80 for cardboard and it's like well they're not selling you cardboard yeah like it comes with a physical copy of a switch game which is what you buy when you buy switch games you might have seen that at every video game store the cardboard's like 10 bucks the props and everything are 10 bucks uh what you're buying here is software that teaches you how to build it it's got on-screen like uh, you know sort of uh instruction manuals that you rotate and 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 scale the models and stuff like that so it's really smart i think that um the sort of 3D uh, modeling community is going to jump on this. I think that the 3D printing community is going to jump on this. Uh, Tom Marks, who works here at IGN, already <laughs> built his own prototype yeah, of let's, it. Let's show this thing off real quick. <laughs> so this is our little like beta version of Nintendo Labo. Yeah, IGN Labo. Yeah, if you're, if you're you listening much, at home, we're holding a what looks like a like I don't know a cardboard pool cleaner. Yes, yeah. and a it sad cardboard cockroach yeah. with ears. Yeah, and then hooked up to the Joy Cons on the side, and then using the sort of find my Joy Cons tool. That's baked in every switch. You can vibrate the Joy Cons, and it makes this terribly loud ringing noise. And then the unit actually moves a little bit. Right, we're gonna have to turn it back on yeah, here. The, yeah, you ready? I'll, I'll vamp on the on right, tool ready? But anyway, he basically there we go. Wow, look at that! Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Look, it's slow and it's rotates. off. So that's the kind of experiences you can expect from Nintendo Labo uh, this 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 April. So. <laughs> Look for that. Uh, but, yeah. But, no, but like, so great. this design, he copied one of the designs, but there's some really complicated designs. Yeah. Like when they pop open the robot backpack and you see all like the, well, the mechanics inside. Specifically, so cool. uh, Keza McDonald, who writes for Guardian UK, used to write for IGN, Kotaku, a bunch of, one of the best writers in the biz. She did a piece on, uh, basically hands on with this thing and talked about how the piano took something like two hours to build and uses pieces of reflective tape on the inside of it that when communicating with the uh, infrared camera on the sides of your Joy-Con, which you might remember using for the, I don't know, like the sandwich eating mini game in 1-2-Switch, right? Yeah, it can tell how close or far your mouth is from from the Joy-Con, which is weird. Uh, 
the reflective strips basically can bounce on and off using light and send a signal back to the Joy-Cons telling you which note you're pressing. Um, that can also tell velocity and stuff like that. If you ever played a piano, how hard you press a note, et cetera, determines the key and the sound it makes and stuff like that. On top of that, there's knobs on the side that you'll be able to interact with. And like you basically built a piano out of cardboard and strings and rubber bands. It's pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah, the, the trailer itself like showed a ton of different, uh, or not a ton, but there's like five different uh, toy cons that come with the variety pack. So there's going to be two packs uh, available on April 20th. That's the exact launch date. There's going to be the variety pack, which retails for $69.99, and then the robot kit, which retails for $79.99. Now, the variety pack is the one that comes with the five sets. So you get something like an RC car, a fishing rod, a house, a motorbike, and uh, the piano that Brian was talking about but they're all um like those seem like they're a little bit on the simpler side yeah so like those those creations like the piano you said takes two hours but then something like um the rc car like that might take just 15 minutes yeah and i think what's cool is like the piano specifically uh the house and some of the other ones have the motorcycle. They have effectively uh, built-in docking stations for the Switch. Mm-hmm. It won't charge your unit. The screen, but it, yeah. Yeah, it kind of turns it into an arcade cabinet, which you know begs the question, when will they make an arcade cabinet? Well, there was a, right. there was a fan-made one already, right? right? Like some people have pointed out that some fans had designed cardboard constructions that can hold the uh, the screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a – I mean that to me is a no-brainer. I think what we have yet to see more of is the – and understand more is the software. Yeah. Right? Like is the – uh, is the the motorbike thing is that like a mini excite bike or is it simpler than that like i got some real nintendo land vibes when i saw what looked like you know almost like project giant robot like right. if like that that kind of mini game brought back and like it was the uh, the kind of the frog piano from animal crossing like I'm hoping this is kind of like a Nintendo Land, like a theme thing, and Excite Bike is part of this or something. To like, me, it feels like we a don't spiritual know. successor to like We Play or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which yeah. is a like a, a cheap twenty dollars game connect. I don't collection. want it to be generic. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But it did have a fishing game, and I think a racing game, and a yeah. couple other things. Well, I'd love for this to be a platform like you you buy in one time with the robot kit or you buy in one time with the variety kit and you get the software itself that updates as new Labo kits are made available, right? Yeah. So it's something like a one-time expenditure of $60 gets you the, the software itself and maybe there's DLC packs yep. down the line mm-hmm. that you can purchase for uh, for cheaper so that it sort of um, justifies the cost of paying 10 to $15 for these cardboard construction kits because they're probably going to all run about that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it was crazy to me to see the sort of disparity between the audience there are those of us that were really excited about it and like what an interesting concept like what a cool take on this and then like you were saying it's just like well that's just cardboard and it's like well it's obviously not just cardboard like they didn't yeah. just set a Joy-Con on like, top of a pile dream, of cardboard. Dream a little dude. Right and it's like that sort of thing like would you rather pay 30 to $40 for a plastic version of the same thing that's not transmutable like it's it's like in the way you were talking about the the mario kart steering wheel right for the wii like that was a one-time purchase that only did one thing and it was just a hard plastic 30 dollar expansion that came with the game itself right like in this case it's 10 to 15 dollars for each iteration but you could get three to four different uses out of it you know and you you can print out right you can print them out too yeah uh, i don't know if though if those templates are free there was some disparity on that news story but um it looks like they will be available in some capacity and i think what's exciting about that too is that what's stopping nintendo from being like hey we're having an event at the mall and you'll get a download code for a digital labo game Mm. and a piece of cardboard 
and you go home and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have an arcade cabinet and a free game I got today at, at, at the mall. Yeah, I like I really like the idea of doing something like on the cheap where it's like, hey, we'll offer you Mario versus mm-hmm. and give you the cardboard to build a micro cabinet. Right. And you just pop the Joy-Con off and set it up and it's in a vertical platform. Oh, a great idea. And then you're just playing with the Joy-Con on a stand that you yep. built. Like and, that that's such an easy win and such an interesting way to display that product. Maybe the template for the original arcade cra- cabinet's graphics on the side, right? Don't like even you can start do with so me. much cool mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, with that's that. so cool. Like so I showed this trailer to my kids when I got home. Like I saw it. I was watching it here. I was in a meeting, got out, a couple of people watching it, and they're like, oh, you got to see this. And like halfway through, I'm like, what were they smoking? And then it says release date, 420. Yeah. Ah, like, it nice. couldn't be more perfect. And they're like, oh, you knew this. <laughs> I showed it to my kids at home. They made the same joke, by the way. Uh, I, showed, I showed it to – it? it's Marin Capital. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, uh, birthplace of 420. Um I showed it to them and they were instantly sold. Like the the moment the first things folded together, they're like, we're going to get this, right? Mm-hmm. And then it got to the robot backpack and they were like, holy crap. Like so that I'm, was the thing that completely sold them on it. You told me this story this yeah. morning and I think that the most shocking part about that story is that your kids still have to ask if you're going to buy a Nintendo product. They, like they did. I feel like that's such a like a crazy question for your kids to be like, Dad, are we going to get this? Because like, yeah, house yeah, of, of a course. thousand Joy Cons <laughs> over there. <laughs> no, I think they get. Ner- I think they get nervous. Like, look, I pre-ordered the thing immediately, but like, I think they get nervous, and then with a product like this, they're like, wait. What if dad's going to build it and we don't get to build it? I think that's more what it's about. Like they're worried. Dude, I got that big UCS Millennium Falcon, the biggest right. Lego set ever. And they're like sitting there crying because I was building it myself. I'm yeah. like, get away, kids. <laughs> this, this is dad's. It wasn't quite that bad, that's but not, they, they were a little miffed, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. you know, it's expensive. I can understand. As a kid, as Seriously. a kid that grew up on Lego and grew up on, uh, Kinex and Tinker Toys, like I, the idea of putting together something as involved and tangible and, uh, gigantic as this robot structure like yeah. when they popped off the backpack <laughs> and it took me a while to puzzle it out because at first i thought it was all based on joy-con movement yeah, like right, oh these yeah. joy-con <laughs> can just read how you're sh- moving your body like positional tracking <laughs> well right, that's yeah. what that's what it like it's actually the infrared that's tracking you know like they pop it off and you see the four white l- lines moving across the and it's like oh there those joy-con are tracking where that is in in that space to tell the game where your bot, where your limbs yeah. are. It's pretty insane. And it's, well, the one so, and it's built out of cardboard. Like, yeah. it's insane. It's like, it's levers and pulleys and knobs and switches and you, they open up the panel in the trailer just to sort of be like, look. And it's like, you built a Gundam, dude. It's like, this crazy I've, blend of like, traditional, like, tangible toy building and mechanics. video games. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It's, and, and then working around the limitations, right? That only one Joy-Con has the sensor and all right. that. Like that, I think whenever Nintendo has a limitation, they get super creative. And that's where, as a, as an adult, what really interests me is not the, what, how am I going to play with this weird, uh, RC car, but more like, how did they do this? How did they right. come up with it? How did the mechanics work? I want to see inside. And like it's, the piano, once I realized it was using the IR sensor to measure it, I'm like, that's freaking brilliant. It's, yeah. It's, it's incredible that they made full use of like yeah. all of the Joy-Cons features, everything from the IR sensor to like the HD rumble itself. Um, the, like when I first saw that robot thing, I was certain that he had a Joy-Con or the kid had a Joy-Con on his left foot, on his right, right foot, right. on each arm. 
But you're right. As soon as they like lifted that um, <laughs> backpack and you could see what was inside, um, it it almost blew my mind with how it actually works. Because I feel like any other company would have went a different route. Like mm-hmm. they wouldn't have gone down like this left road sort of way of handling things. But in a way, it's a beautiful way to do it. We would I, talk- I think that it scales yeah. too, right? Yeah, like it it's does. like I think that that given watching that trailer three or four times, it seems to me like you can operate that system with one set of Joy-Con, but if you have more, you can build out for specificity, right? Like, yeah. I think that it's, it's possibly, yeah. Yeah. Like almost an iterative thing. Almost I'm, like I'm still, modular, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's where it starts to get dicey for me because like everyone's looking at this like, Oh, it's cheap and it's accessible. And it's like, well, it's not because it's $300 for a Nintendo switch. Right off the bat, mm-hmm. yeah, if you don't course. live in the house of a thousand yeah. Joy-Con like Pear does, you have <laughs> to go. Just, you have to go buy Joy-Con. extra Joy-Con. They're eighty bucks a pair, so it starts to stack up a little bit. But I think the weird thing is here is like we talked about the Wii Wheel. Uh, there was a company, <laughs> remember that thing? Yeah, there was yeah, a, yeah the Wii Wheel. The Wii Wheel. There was a company um, out of Brooklyn a couple years ago that was at every E3 during like the Wii era, and they just made the cheapest peripherals, and they were like. They didn't even hide it. They were just like, look, we're, we're cashing in. Like, we don't even know anything about video games. We're just doing this. Yeah. Like, they made an inflatable cart for Mario Kart to, for you to play in and stuff like that. Yeah, they made really. fishing rods and all this crap. Those were made of plastic. Those were like 20, 30 bucks a piece. Somehow, those look cheaper than stuff that's made of cardboard. Because of the elegance. Yeah. You know? Like, you just kind of see the elegance of this construction. But I, you guys are th- uh, were mentioning, like, where where is this going to go? Just imagine a Labo kit that's Mario Party. Where you build a board, right? And you build the little figures, and you color it all, and then you literally have the board game part as part of Labo, and you have your screen there and play with Joy-Con. Like, there's yeah, so yeah. many things they could do with it. See, I'm so interested in in the integration of their bigger brands, their bigger franchises, because to me, it seems like it would be two completely separate, two completely separate products for separate demographics. I right? think I think it's cool if they make it an option. Like for instance, if we ever get a Luigi's Mansion game on Switch, I think it would be cool to have like a Poltergust 5000. Oh my god, Labo. that's a great idea. You know what I mean? We already Even got the just, backpack. Yeah, yeah, or a Mario Sunshine like, you know, type of yep. Yep. Back, Check jetpack thing. Yeah. Get the house. Color it like Luigi's Mansion. You're already halfway there. Mm-hmm. There you go. Exactly. So I, think, I just need the software. <laughs> yeah. I think what's interesting about this is that it doesn't seem to be happening sort of at the regret of some of their bigger AAA franchises. Like this is their wave two movement to attract a blue ocean of new consumers. Last year we saw hardcore gamers grab Mario and Zelda and all the other games, you know, the Doom and stuff like that. Uh, this year I think You'll continue to see that, but you'll also get to see a new wave of people come in and buy a Nintendo Switch. And it's it's really smart. It doesn't seem like this is going to cannibalize the next Zelda game or the next Mario game. This will work in synchronicity with those things. Right. Yeah. Like Nintendo has gone out and basically said that um, this is to reach a broader audience, yeah. essentially. Like they, the Switch is selling like astronomically well right now um all over the world mm-hmm. so they're not too worried about capturing i think the co- the core gamers um, yeah we're in yeah you know? we're here yeah we've been on this boat but i mean at the same time they still want to widen their their audience make it a little bit broader and i think that this is the perfect um barrier to uh, of entry to break through totally you know? totally Freaking yeah, yeah well said such yeah. a great idea i also think that it's crazy that it how well it showcases every single i know you touched on this phil but like every yeah, single yeah. feature of the the joy con yeah because i remember at the launch event or at the reveal event back January this time last year um, 
they spent a lot of time talking about it, all the things that the Joy-Con could do. And I was like, who, who cares? Like, yeah, I want to know about how I'm implementing this in the game. I want to know about how I'm like, what this means for me as the player, not necessarily like all the like ticks and tricks that it can do. Right. Um, the amount that, that Labo uses every single facet of that Joy-Con is insane. Like I was sold at, from the outset, but when I watched the guy control a little, you know, like Tom Marks's contraption here, <laughs> like control like an RC car that was moving on vibration, it's just like that is nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, I love. What it. is this? What should we should we name this thing? Is this the, the MarxCon two thousand? The MarxCon two thousand kind of looks like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, yeah. A little bit on this. Now we have you. to reiterate <laughs> that is not actually a Labo kit. No, no, no it's no, not. No, it's no. made from scratch. This episode is brought to you by Gamefly, the best way to rent or buy your favorite games. It's gotten increasingly difficult to try games before you buy them, but Gamefly lets you take your pick from a library of over 9,000 titles, including the biggest new releases like Super Mario Odyssey, NBA 2K18, Fire Emblem Warriors, and many, many more. Gamefly will ship these games to you, and you can keep them as long as you want. There are no late fees or due dates, and shipping is always free. This breaks down to as little as 54 cents a day. So ask yourself, how many moons can you find in Super Mario Odyssey for 54 cents a day? Oh, and you don't even have to leave the house. The games come right to you. And hey, they rent movies too. Normally, a Gamefly trial lets you only check out one game at a time, but if you head to Gamefly.com slash voice chat, you can sign up for a free premium 30-day trial that lets you check out two games or movies at a time. Try it out today at Gamefly.com slash voice chat. Yeah. Um, we forgot to mention that the uh, the robot thing is actually a resurrected version of Miyamoto's yeah the sort of robot, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, which was officially canceled last February. You guys know that Nintendo was actually like this is canceled, <clears throat> and no, it's not. <laughs> it's maybe, back. Yeah, maybe they they salvage parts. It's it's hard to tell sometimes, well, right? Sometimes they they they're in love with uh, a character or an idea, and maybe the gameplay is completely different. We don't mm-hmm. know yet. But how many times have we talked on this podcast about how no Nintendo idea ever really goes away? Yeah, yeah. it's just put in a vault until they're ready to talk about it later, yeah. right? Like like you know, one thousand Mario's, right? Like yeah, that demo where they showed all the little Mario's running around, and suddenly you've got Mario splitting into multiples, mm-hmm. and and you know, I still feel like that. Like the one hundred Mario's became Pikmin. Yeah, no, yeah. that's right. They, they talked about that. The, yep. the dynamic of the characters moving mm-hmm. was used for Pikmin. Zach, um, I know you had mentioned that the one of the peripherals or one of the toy cons that they showed in the video was like a camera type thing, and I think you had said something like that would be really cool for like Pokemon Snap mm-hmm. if that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see them implementing something like that um, in the future, like making it an option. But having a camera um, that you can actually like insert a Joy-Con into the lens and then another one to uh, kind of hold and click the trigger, um, I. Well, during that video, I paused it and rewound it so many times to watch that over and over again to study it, try and figure out, like, how could this possibly work? Watching you, <laughs> yeah. watching you watch the videos has, has been one of my favorite things, like, since your arrival, because, like, you kept pausing the video and it, like, he was like, look, look at these white strips. It's, Those are infrared strips. He's so like, smart. freaking it's out. Like, yeah. like, it's like, Jack, right. like, it's, it's Jack Skellington trying to figure out Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean? How does this work? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the camera is shown for a few seconds in the thing, right? I don't think it comes with any of these kits. It's part of their sort of like rundown of like weird future peripherals. And one of them is yeah. a like a swan that you squeeze the wings on <laughs> yeah. and it just flaps its wings. Um, but the camera, by twisting one Joy-Con in the front. Like a zoom, uh, right? And zoom. Yeah. And then by clicking, you take a picture and it's got the sort of viewfinder in, in the back with your switch screen. And it's just brilliant. Yeah. It's just so smart. And 
Yeah, I can't wait to see that get used. Was the Switch screen actually in the back of the camera? I think so. I was okay. sort of theorizing. So that'll be okay. like an in-game view. Obviously, the Switch doesn't have a camera, um, you know, so you you can't use it as a right. real camera. But like you, it, it can detect the motion then, and and like make you kind of look around in a virtual world. Right? Yep. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Yes. Yeah, really smart. Man, what a what a what a curveball. Yeah. Curveball. No, I mean, it's very, very interesting. Very cool stuff from Nintendo this week. It caught a lot of us by surprise, but I think for the most part, we're either excited, intrigued, or just plain old interested in yeah. what, what's happening right now in the current state of Nintendo. But, um, yeah, we're going to take a quick break right now, and then we will be back very shortly uh, to talk more about some new releases and the big releases coming out this week on Switch. Here we go! Welcome back to part two of Nintendo Voice Chat. Thank you very much for waiting through that very small break. We're back now with Lily Zalvadar. Hi, close. You were so close. I tried. That time. I tried. It's a uh, Zaldivar. Zaldivar, or as you like to call me, Zanzibar. 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 <laughs> Legend of Zaldivar. Yeah, Legend of Zaldivar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> Lily's subbing in for Pear real quick. Um, yeah, Pear had a meeting to get to, but. It's great to have you here, Lily. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Of course, thanks for coming on. Uh, We're going to just briefly run over some quick news and then talk about some new releases and what games we've been playing. But before we get into all of that stuff, do you guys hear that the Switch is selling three times faster or is apparently selling, yeah, three times faster than the PS4 in Japan? Yep. Which is I'm not surprised. It's crazy. I also read it's the fastest selling video game system of all time in Canada. Canada. Go Canada. Go Canada. I'm honestly not surprised. Like, just with the amount of releases that are coming out every Mm -hmm. week, like, it's the perfect system uh, to take everywhere if you yeah. want to. Yeah. So course. I don't know why, like, this is a surprise. They're I'm also, I think, proud. the big thing too is that you can actually buy one now, right? Like, that's that was a big struggle for, available. for yeah. half the system's life was just not knowing when and where you could get this thing, and uh, having availability at, towards the end of the year at the holidays was was good news for them. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I think they're still banking on uh, releasing. Two of the best entries of the biggest franchises in gaming. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think they will continue to bank on that. Uh, I think that, that playing to the nostalgia factor of Mario and Zelda is, is a key seller for the Switch. Yeah. And that people are going to see people playing Mario, uh, Super Mario Odyssey or Zelda out in the wild and be like, Hey, what is that? Like, how do I play that as well? Yeah. Weirdly though, that said, when you go into the eShop charts on the Switch every week, it's games like Stardew Valley. It's games like Rocket League. It's games like Minecraft that are, you know, some of them don't even have physical versions. They're like $20 digital games or whatever. Um, and they're actually selling better than the Marios and the Zeldas are. So I think people are coming in the door for Mario and Zelda and they're staying for like the breadth of indie games and just cool downloadable content that's available on the system now. So it's it's this really interesting dichotomy, right? Because on the one hand you have a a segment of, of, gamers that are saying well the switch is only ports but then mm-hmm. on the other side of that you've got the segment of gamers that are going yeah the switch is a bunch of ports yeah, give me everything. <laughs> it's yep. like there's this there's this sort of um this sort of like uh ubiquitous idea that's like uh yeah that's great i really like your game when is it coming to switch because that's the only place that i want to play it and yeah. i think well, that that sort of mentality has sort of bolstered the switch in terms of like well eventually everything will come to this so yeah, yeah. well i mean there was a, there was a long time where a lot of us were like yeah just put it on switch just put everything on switch right and now we're getting so much stuff that it's like all right well maybe we don't need that game on switch mm-hmm. right you yeah. know so like maybe calm down a little bit i yeah. was very impressed with um also super meat boy doing really well on yep. the switch in like i think a week and um like that just 
um, improves like the value that a Switch holds, like for developers too, because it's like it's, Super Meat Boy came out when like 2010. Yeah, on yeah, Xbox 360, and I yeah. keep I keep planning to do this for up at noon. I want to put together like a sort of, and, and I can't keep up with it because it happens every week. Uh, a sort of like long segment based on the massive first day and first week and first month successes that indie games have had by coming to Switch for the first time. Yeah, uh, the Meat Boy dev specifically said mm-hmm. that the numbers that it did day one on switch almost met the numbers that it did in initial launch on xbox 360 and that's when that game had all the attention in the world people were watching it for the very first time and here we are you know what past half a decade later and it's still cleaning up it's got a bigger amazing it's got a bigger install base and a base that's like hungry for games that they haven't played yet and that's the thing like you you're bringing over a lot of these older ports but a lot of these people that are nintendo fans or people that weren't traditionally gamers or haven't been since like 64 or gamecube are now playing catch-up on games like meat boy right like but also catch-up on on the catch-up on meat boys (laughs) (laughs) top notch how to do it but um yeah i think that i think that it's it's a a case of like well i never got a chance (laughs) to play like i know personally i bought a bunch of games on switch just because i've never played them like i miss them in their first iteration so you know why you didn't because you, like everyone else here at this table, didn't own an Xbox. <laughs> no, because historically, and I'm going to call everyone out on this, historically, Nintendo fans did not buy third-party games. Aside of a few every year, yeah. we didn't. Yeah. They, we bought first-party games and we bought third-party games on other platforms because yeah. there was never really a reason to. The Catch-22 there was that like ports of games coming to Nintendo platforms were usually not great. So uh, it was a chicken and egg of like, why support them if it's not good? And what they won't make more if we don't support them. Yeah. And now we're in this good spot where the ports are really great. Everything's working out and people are supporting them like crazy. And it's, I could not be happier. Well, then yeah. you, I, feel, I feel like maybe this is more niche, but like, I also feel like there's repeat offenders like myself that will buy a second, a, a game that they've already played elsewhere oh, yeah. just to have it on their switch. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm excited to play uh, Night in the Woods when it comes to switching on oh, February 1st. Yeah. Like that was one of my favorite games from last year. Now it's portable. Great. I bought Oxenfree, same deal. Like Dark Souls is coming to the Switch and that's a game that I've already played, but like I just the uh, the ability to play it on the go wherever I want. Like I I'm going to Japan in February and it's like I wish that I had Dark Souls then. I would mm-hmm. take it with me and play it the whole way there and back. So, um yeah, I I think that 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 those factors alone like way, like you're saying, you're not surprised at all. Like that way yeah. justifies the the, uh, the numbers, you know. Yeah, totally. I mean, like you were saying, just having those third party games that a lot of us may have missed before because we are Nintendo fans, and having them um, now on a portable console is just incredibly enticing for someone like me who did miss um, games like Wolfenstein 2. I still haven't played that, but I'm going to play the crap out of it on Switch once oh, it yeah. comes out. So exactly. But let's talk more about some games that we are playing this week um one game that i've been playing a ton of and i actually just reviewed it uh is inner space on switch uh but it's also available on ps4 xbox one mm-hmm. and pc and i know brian you played a little bit of yeah, this yeah i played well. a couple hours yeah so this is this is kind of a cool game uh it's a flight exploration uh narrative driven steam yeah yeah type you're doing, of no, you're doing flight it. game yeah yeah, it's, yeah it's so hard so <laughs> no, you're saying flight yes so yes yeah so it's it's a little bit like abzu but to me this game is 
way more abstract and there isn't too much uh, guidance or player guidance. Yes. So you spend a lot of time just sort of figuring out what you're supposed to be doing or what you need to do. Like the game does tell you, um, you need to like the, the general basis of what you're doing, but as far as solving puzzles and opening up clues, um, that's all based off of your own intuition. Yeah. Like I love the art right. style. The art style itself is absolutely breathtaking. Um, but like, as you can see, there's different sort of planes. They're called airframes in the game. So there's different airframes that you can acquire, um, which is really cool. Like there, that one in particular is really fun fun to fly around if you're watching mm-hmm. on screen that's called the astral key yeah this is a oh, weird beautiful game it's uh it feels kind of like a fever dream it doesn't really <laughs> punish you for getting lost or screwing up or dying there isn't really combat per se like there's some right. of it but uh it feels like flying around inside of a lava lamp yeah like it's just bizarre and there's collectibles there's things you can do there's things that open up but like philip said like it doesn't really say like this is what you have to do next it sort of nudges you in a general direction but if you want something sort of like kind of hazy and weird and cool to explore on your switch like put some headphones in and give this one a shot um philip what did you end up giving this i actually gave it a 6.5 okay which is which is okay yeah it's okay i think that's literally is that literally okay it's literally okay Okay. yeah Um, so what what are some of the detriments like what didn't you like about it like like i was saying before it's so heavily intuition based that i found myself getting frustrated just trying to figure out what it was that i actually needed to do um that was my main gripe with it other than like other smaller things like the limited amount of collectibles there's no real reason to go back and explore the game after you complete it it's got a really short campaign as well navigating the environments feels a little bumper carsy every now and then right you'll kind of just smack around the walls until you figure out which way you need to go yeah right um how, yeah, are the, how are the controls on the Switch? So the controls feel pretty good. Uh, it doesn't have motion controls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. yeah, you just use, um, I feel like with flying, that'd be really weird. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I think Star Fox 64 3DS, uh, both created and destroyed any chance <laughs> of that Fox ever happening. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but overall, I mean, it's an okay game. If you, if you're, into exploration games, I I recommend it. Um, but if you're not really sure about this one, I would just hold off mm-hmm. for for like either a, a drop in price or just a skip it entirely. Yeah. yeah. I have one final question. Uh, yeah. Can you do a barrel roll? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Cool. There's no like Star Foxy maneuver. To, An like, animal doesn't <laughs> yell at you when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do a barrel roll. roll. You just yeah. you just do it. And nothing really happens. I just had to get it out of the way. Yeah. There's not a lot of animals in this game. Um, but another big game releasing this week is Darkest Dungeon, mm-hmm. which has been out on other platforms as well, uh, on PS4, Xbox mm-hmm. One, Steam. Yeah. Um, and now it's out on Switch, yeah. which is very exciting. And I know that um, I've played a little bit of it. Lily, you've played a bunch of this game. Yeah, this yeah. is, um, I think it's a. It's like an amazing graphical RPG that you don't really see often. Um, a little bit more on your darker side. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Hence the name. <laughs> name, yeah. But um, I really like it. I think it's a different uh, type of way of playing, like the RPG style. So it's obviously it's a turn-based RPG, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a little bit. It leans towards like heavier, more complex mechanics. I would yeah. say it's not really like a jump in and and play game unless you really understand uh, the RPGs, yeah, yeah unless you really understand like yeah, deep RPG mechanics. I would suggest someone plays if they've played RPGs consistently. Mm-hmm. I would then step into this one. 
Um, they don't like the tutorial. There's not really much of a tutorial. There's a little bit of a light you know? tutorial. Yeah, like it's I played light, through, but I feel like this game needs like a more in-depth tutorial because if you look underneath, like there's so much like you know like attack damage like what you can do like your dodge percentage like there's a lot of the like information on mm-hmm. the screen that you don't also see like you have to complete quests do all these things like it's a a very dense game yeah. but that's that's okay right because like i'm i'm replaying bloodborne right now and i forget how much of that game is just sort of just like uh figure it out or go read a guide yep you know like the, the game doesn't actually like, nudge you in the I direction i feel like this is that type of like game like mm-hmm. this is like the bloodborne of rpgs where it's like you either you're going to get it or, you know, go read a garden and figure it out. Right. I mean, technically, Bloodborne is the Bloodborne of RPGs. But, <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like Darkest Dungeon is a really cool game because it, it does some things that, that traditional RPGs do, but it does it in a way that's really interesting. Um, first of all, it's tough as nails. It's, like, really super difficult. Oh, yeah. um, and it, it introduces elements like hunger or faith mm-hmm. or, I mean, um, fatigue like that carry over – into the non-dungeon segments of the game. So, like, you can have... Um, There's, like, a hub world, right? Yeah, yeah but, yeah. like, you can have, like, characters that are, like, monks or priests in your party, and they'll lose faith. And so that means that their attack goes down, and that some of their, like, a lot of their attributes go down. Or you can have uh, uh, party members that have been in the dungeons too long, so they get hungry, and then they get depressed. And, like, you have to figure out a way to, like, cure these other, like, long-term status ailments to make your party effective in the dungeons, and that, in and of itself, is, like, a secondary challenge, almost in the same way as, like, the Social links and persona are a secondary element to that game. Right. Um, well, essentially, it's like the sanity effects from something like Eternal Darkness or something. Oh yeah, like, yeah, totally. but it, it's characters it's, start to lose it a little. It's, bit. Yeah, but it's less so. Like it's more. It's more. Um, yeah, the effects are more straightforward than it is in Eternal Darkness, where Eternal Darkness has those sanity effects to mess with you, the player. Yeah. This is like for your party at large, and it's it's yeah for the overall m- more so of an obstacle than it is of like a a puzzle to solve. Right. And so. and not only that, but like I think you get up to twenty five characters. But um, one of the biggest things that I realized with this game is that when a party member dies, like you never get them back. Yeah, it's permadeath. Like you lose yeah. like permadeath. So it's pretty um. Like, you have to really think about what you're doing. You have to critically decide, like, how to make sure that the overall party survives going into every single dungeon that you go into. So, it's a critical thinking RPG. Mm-hmm. Really so you're, the mind. you're playing this now. Yeah, I'm currently playing it. I've, I've played about half an hour uh-huh. last night, and I played it on Switch. So, I can confirm it has full touchscreen controls. Well, that's cool. Which is oh. cool. You don't ever have to have the joy uh, the Joy-Con on there. Interesting. So. Yeah, and it works really well. Um, but I spent most of my time actually playing with the Joy-Con just because I prefer that. But I feel like it it's a, pretty much a straightforward port of what I've seen played on PS4 and PC and all that stuff before. The full game is there. I'm looking forward to jumping into it. I've already gotten my killed or myself killed like three times. <laughs> um, successfully completed the tutorial, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about as far as I've gotten. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about just how everyone else is going to you know, feel about this game and, you know, what more uh, games like this we will eventually get on Switch. And that's out today. Yeah. It's out. Well, yesterday, I guess, if you're listening yesterday. to this on Friday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some more new game releases coming out this week. Um, in addition to Darkest Dungeon and Inner Space, uh, some more games that came out, Gun House, Energy Balance, Nightmare Boy. I played a little bit of Nightmare Boy. Did you guys try out Nightmare mm-hmm. Boy? I've, I've seen a couple trailers floating around. Like, it's like a cool, like, platformer. Yeah, it's like a Metroidvania uh-huh. style platformer. Yeah, I wasn't into the art style at all. 
Yeah, it looks it's got a very 90s vibe like it's mm-hmm. yeah. It looks like um the term animatic which is like when yeah. uh animation is very very in its rough stages mm-hmm. no offense to them but that's just how I Yeah, think I, yeah, stuff. totally. I th- I mean I think that's kind of what they're going for, right? They're yeah. going for this very um sort of hand drawn crude kind of high school angry kid on the notebook paper type of thing. So, <laughs> it's working, right? It's just yeah. not it's not for me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've drawn enough angry stuff in the margins. <laughs> um yeah, it's a Metroidvania game, so if you're looking for a decent Metroidvania, check that out. Um also releasing this week, Link Apix Color and Oser oh, the Hollywood Roast and Oser oh, the Insult Simulator, World to the West, Nuclean, Vesta, and last but certainly not least, Kirby Battle Royale on 3DS. So if you're still holding out on your 3DS, if you still have it, which I'm sure you do, um, and you're a huge Kirby fan, it's releasing this week. Pick it up. We don't actually have it in the office yet. Really? What a shame. Yeah, so I haven't played it. Um, that's going to be like a thing that we get on release day. Yep. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Excited. I'm looking forward to checking it out though. So it's going to be fun. Uh, but this, that means it's time for question block. So, um, this email comes to us from our email, nbc at IGN. Dot com And it's from Ryan W. from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Ryan says, Dear NBC crew, I just finished watching the introductory video for Nintendo Labo and first, and my first instinct was to reach out to the NBC group and share my thoughts and questions. I first want to say I'm blown away by the creativity and pure joy these cardboard creations will bring to Switch. That said, do you think that Nintendo will actively search to partner with Lego or other building block companies to create Labos that reach an even broader audience? I'm so excited to see Nintendo continue to implement amazing concepts with the Switch. Thanks so much for reading. Looking forward to hearing your reactions this Friday. Aren't they already so. partnered up with Arby's? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I was actually I was concerned about the Arby's Twitter account yesterday. I'm I like, this too. is their like, whole thing. I was like, did they what take they the guy that? who creates all of the cardboard? Seriously. And was like, we need you for Labo. Yeah. <laughs> While over on Arby's Twitter, they've uh, released like a full marble sculpt of the Labo. Yeah. They just got to go in a completely different <laughs> They're direction. They're like, we got to step it up. Well, this is getting right, tough. I guess this is how we cover this. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't see that happening. I, I'm yeah, still holding same. out for Nintendo to partner with Lego in a more traditional way and just do like Zelda and Mario sets. Like that just seems like a basic thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like we said earlier in the show, I think people are going to make their own. I think it's very obvious that people will start making, if they haven't already, start making uh, sort of shells and cages and places to keep their joy cons out of legos out of other uh, other materials 3d printing and stuff like that um i don't see them partnering them with them in any official capacity because i think what makes this special is is the cardboard is the fact that it is so um understandable and tangible and that the barrier for entry is so low aside from the 300 dollars system and the extra joy cons and stuff like that lego is expensive Pear was on the show earlier talking about his $800 Millennium oh, yeah. Falcon. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's not cheap, man. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think it, I think it'd be wiser for Nintendo to stick with the cardboard aspect of, um, Labo. But at the same time, I could totally picture people like 3D printing their own like light gun version of yeah. a Labo kit and just to have that sort of like hard feeling type of thing that they're, they don't have to worry about it breaking. Like they can I, just toss it around like a controller. I'm just imagining that people are going to, uh, mod their cardboard boxes, maybe like figure out how um, Nintendo makes it work and then mod it into like using Legos or using like a different type of material like 3D printing um, and kind of incorporate the cardboard box mm-hmm. feel into it. I don't know, like 
But all I can think about is just modding. That's oh, th- like yeah, over yeah. time. Yeah, people are going to be really into that. I think it's yeah. built for kit bashing. Yep. Yeah. Um, this kind of stuff. I mean, we're already seeing it happening with, I mean, Brian has a Super Nintendo themed, uh, uh, switch deck on his on his desk which is the the most base level right like just throwing a decal on there but i think that 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 the a lot of the interesting stuff from labo comes from from that sort of modding and kit bashing and i don't necessarily feel like nintendo is a company that needs to partner with somebody else to get that message across right like it would be more honestly almost more beneficial for lego for nintendo to partner with them in that respect because Mm -hmm. this is a corner of the market that Nintendo has basically just created for themselves, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. introducing a variable to that. I, I I feel like it would almost be detrimental mm-hmm. to the overall brand, but yeah. yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see people make their own um, because when I first started seeing the shapes of these things, I was like, that reminds me of like nineties polygons. Yeah. yeah. Like it looks like Mario 64 or Metal, Metal Gear Solid or something like that. And I think that if, if you look at something like, uh, like, I don't know, Donkey Kong's bazooka thing that he uses in some games, like we saw a bazooka at the end of the trailer. I don't know if you guys caught that. Yeah. Like this dude cocks back a, a bazooka and it's yeah, just made out of cardboard. Inside, and yeah. it's like, why not make one of those that looks like something from Smash Brothers or like, why not make a master sword? Like I think people will start to reverse engineer the things that we see here. Like, the the small car why not make a mario kart right like yeah. see what works um there's so much room there and kids are smart and they're intuitive and they're artists and that's when people create and paint and draw and sculpt and cut and scratch the most is at that age so like yeah, bring it on yeah yeah i'm really excited to see like what kids do with this and like like take it and run with it and um yeah like it's all about just intuition and like all about science and creativity and this like and video games and this further propels like yeah. the advancement of that with kids. This also and gets them <laughs> it gets them into like science classes, right? It gets oh, Nintendo yeah. into like bookstores or and robotics. edutainment and, and robotics, yeah. yeah. Like it gets them into weird corners of like of like conventions that they're not at already. Right. You right. know, like it it's so interesting. It also means that like I don't know, like Girl Scouts can partner with them and be like, the box of cookies turns into a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> gun scout cookies. Have fun. There you go, or people. 20. You heard it here first. Girl Scout. Gun scout cookies. All right. Well that's our show. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We're a weekly show on IGN.com, but you can also find us on YouTube and any of your favorite podcasting services. So definitely make sure you're subscribed if you aren't already. So Lily, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me on the MVC podcast forums and uh, Cool Cat Lily Z on Twitter. Brian? I'm an Agent Bizzle. You can also catch me on the podcast forums. I'm also on Podcast Beyond and up at noon every week here at IGN. Awesome. And Zach? I sit over by the windows uh, <laughs> and my Twitter <laughs> handle is at Zachariasty. Cool. And I'm at Philip Mewson and we'll see you next week. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand-friendly, but don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.